Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. So you are optimistic that ECU football will move forward? Absolutely. It's only half past 12, but I don't care. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Well, it's 5.08. I mean, who's counting? Right? Hey, we're, we're rounding here. We're rounding. Well, yeah. Do we're your math. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, we had a, uh, a computer issue. Uh, we zigged when we should have zagged on the computer, right? Is that what uh, it is? Hello to Ben Byram. I was celebrating the weekend too early. Yeah, you may have been. You may have been. Uh, thanks to my guy Baker for letting me know. A couple others, too, now hit me up. Uh, the intern, uh, Phil Pilkington, is in the ref. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! <laughs> not not as the intern, but as the ref is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, come on now. Yes. You can't be a ref. Uh, okay, we uh, have Chip Patterson coming up. Uh, and uh, now that we are uh, good to go here, uh, you heard just a little bit ago at the very beginning of the show, Ron Mitchelson, uh, earlier today on with uh, Henry and Trent on Talk of the Town, confirming that as far as he's concerned, pirate football is a go. Let's play cut one uh, from that interview in our pirate report, which we're getting to uh, right now here, and we'll blaze through some of these cuts. We we got a lot on our vast soundbite roster, but the Ron Mitchelson stuff is so important that we will uh, get to as much of that as possible before we go to Chip Patterson. So uh, play that beautiful uh, bean footage and start our pirate report for us here today, Ben. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, Ron Mitchelson, interim chancellor, East Carolina University, who I think is fantastic. I'd love to see him, even though he says he he does not want to have any uh, part to do with it. Uh, he, he, to me, would be the, the guy to make the permanent chancellor. I think he's been fantastic, and he seems to have support from all angles. And every time we've talked to him, he's been great. He's honest. Uh, he's probably too honest. That's that might be the reason he we would not make a good chancellor. He's almost uh, t- you know too forthright for that job, perhaps. Uh, but uh, this is Ron Mitchelson uh, talking to uh, Henry and Trent this morning on our sister station WTIB about the prospects of ECU football and kind of where things are with this uh, temporary pause, if you will. Cut one. Yesterday we had the two clusters. One in uh, announced. One in the um, residence hall, Clement, and then another cluster associated with the football uh, foot. I'll call it the footprint. It's not. Uh, um, there's, a t- I think, ten individuals. They're not all players. Um, you know, th- so they're, they're not all players. They're not all players. I had not seen that in the media, so that's good to know. And I'm probably not supposed to say that, <laughs> but, but I did. Uh, you, you know, um, I, I'm con. I'm very confident that they'll get this under control, that they needed to pause until they understand the nature of that cluster and do all the tracing that's necessary. So that takes a little time. So John needed a couple of days to get that all figured out along with the, with the public health officials uh, who are doing a great job. And as soon as we get it analyzed and we're comfortable uh, and we get the bright people uh, isolated and quarantined, we'll be back on the field practicing. And then uh, Henry asked, of course, the question, you're saying there will be pirate football uh, soon and this season. And Ron Mitchelson, you heard the cut a moment ago, uh, a- a- answered uh, affirmatively in one word. Let's play the question in the clip. So you are optimistic that ECU football will move forward? Absolutely. There is a surge expected. And uh, in uh, the fourth cut on our roster here, Ben, uh, the uh, interim chancellor uh, said, you know, this is something that was not uh, out of left field. I mean, you, you bring 22, 23,000 people from around the world into your uh, community, have them living in that tight-knit situation, and you're going to have uh, spikes in COVID-positive tests. So cut four here. Ron Mitchelson spoke to that this morning. When you uh, bring the universities back together uh, with some of that density that, that we have and some of the um, gatherings that the, the young people uh, need to have to be young, 
yeah. uh, you're going to have a bit of a surge. We all anticipated a bit of a surge early on when they come back. Right. No, no doubt about that. I think what has surprised us, including Chapel Hill, with their with their pivot to online, and then NC State yesterday, yesterday, yeah, with their pivot to online, what has surprised us is the magnitude of the surge, right? Just the magnitude of it. And uh, um, so, so far, uh, we're okay. It'll, next couple of days will be important for ECU as well. I made the statement yesterday. I made the statement last night uh, on uh, one of the uh, interviews I did uh, for uh, one of the podcasts I was on yesterday evening. None of these kids are going to the, the hospital in any of these cases, thankfully. Uh, and Henry asked a very prudent question of Dr. Mitchelson uh, today, uh, cut six here, been on the roster. Are students getting sick? In other words, are they exhibiting the, uh, the, 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 the sort of things you were hearing you experience with COVID, with the high fevers and the sore throats, uh, the chills, the fatigue, et cetera? In other words, are you displaying the symptoms of, of being sick from COVID, any of these positive tests uh, in the student population, in the, the football population, uh, or in that 10 that are around the football program, not all players, or is anyone exhibiting signs of, quote-unquote, being uh, sick or under the weather? Uh, Dr. Ron Mitchelson from Talk of the Town. Most of them are not. Most yeah. of them are asymptomatic. Now, right. so, how, so how do we find out that they're positive? Well, you, you know, one, one device is, is just um, asymptomatic testing. So we have a study going on right now uh, out of the Brody School of Medicine that is following – 300 randomly selected individuals so that we can see what the trends are and what the baseline is. We'll also increase our uh, asymptomatic testing. I was on the phone yesterday with uh, Mike Waldrum so that we're, we're, we're planning a, a larger effort on asymptomatic testing. Uh, tomorrow tomorrow uh, and Sunday, uh, we'll have a, a testing blast where we invite students who are asymptomatic to come in and and have testing. Um, so I think we're on that. We're all already thinking about uh, what we're going to do in January differently since we know a little more uh, about uh, the surges and, and what we've got to do to be um, a little more vigilant. So uh, a lot of planning going on still. Yeah. And uh, Ron Mitchelson answered the criticism of students and, and quite frankly, faculty who believe that the university should totally be shut down. Uh, cut nine. We take it seriously because they're students. Mm -hmm. And uh, like much of the world today, you really do get um, probably too, too much polarization in this thinking, right? I mean, I have an equal number of students who are emailing me saying, keep it open, keep, keep it, it open. Yeah, this keep, is what we want. Going Parents class. doing the same thing. Yeah. So I listen to both sides of these things. We care deeply about our students. We do. And we feel like we've done just about everything we can to make sure that they that we've brought them back to Greenville for in-person education uh, as safely as possible. What drives me, Henry, is the mission. I mean, th this university, as you know, has been on a clear mission for decades, for yep. a century, over a century. We're all about student success. We're all about this region. I don't think we can do the mission as well as we should if we're not in person. So that's what drives me. And uh, yeah. the minute we don't think that, that, that um, our safety measures, our mitigation measures are working, uh, yeah. we'll pivot. Uh, ben, you and uh, Phil, uh, intern Philip are obviously uh, uh, students. And, and Ron Mitchelson said it there, Dr. Mitchelson said it, that he's heard from a very vocal uh, group of uh, students, parents, and I'm sure alumni that, want the university to remain open what say you guys uh, I, I say keep it open i think they made extreme precautions to make sure that nobody that they, they can st stop the spread so that, that they can limit it and uh, i haven't right. I, nobody i've known or nobody in any of my classes we're talking about classes with 50 plus people in them have been missing class due to covid or getting sick or anything like that mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I, I haven't experienced it firsthand from what i'm hearing it's more so the people staying in dorms that are not following the guidelines and keeping their yeah. mask on and, and doing what they're supposed to that are kind of causing problems. All right, Philip, real quick, yay or nay? Keep it open or? Yeah, I'm or... definitely for staying in class. I mean, it's my senior year, and like Ben said, you know, I think if you follow the guidelines they've put in place, they're keeping us six feet apart, they're making sure we wear a mask, you should be okay. Well said there.
Very good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dr. Mitchelson addressed the going online uh, possibility, something he referenced in comments that we played for you earlier about uh, UNC and uh, NC State deciding to go to online classes. Is that a, an option here for uh, East Carolina? Cut seven. It's in the toolbox. I mean, yeah. it's always been in the toolbox. And so if we, if we need to pivot, uh, we're prepared to pivot. Uh, a lot will depend on, on the nature of our surge. Right. Right there. What you really face in the initial days and the, and the surge that follows is your capacity for quarantining and isolating. How many beds do you ha actually have available to you to isolate and to quarantine? And, and we're lucky to have leaders like uh, Virginia Hardy, who has organized that. And our capacity is actually scalable. So we're, I think we're in pretty good shape there. Um, and it, it just depends on the volume. Yeah. And so the, the next few days, uh, you know, we're for, we, we opened up classes on the 10th. Mm -hmm. we, we had parties on the 8th and 9th. And so two weeks later, you're looking at the search. And right. so we're there. And then uh, Dr. Uh, Mitchelson on, uh, you know, what it would take for East Carolina to, quote unquote, uh, shut down and go to online. Well, it would shut it down completely. Well, we've already seen that NC State and Chapel Hill uh, can pivot to online undergraduate education and still um, still have a, a, a football season uh, protected. I think we would be in the same same boat. As long as those student athletes are, are safe, uh, I, I, we'll play. And then uh, another question was about fans in the stands and uh, how soon that may uh, happen because that's a decision that has to come pretty soon. And, you know, as we've discussed on here, uh, the, and you'll hear in this comment, athletics, even if we're still under the phase two of this so-called reopening plan from Roy Cooper, that we will be in a position at ECU to kind of submit an athletics plan. Uh, I believe this is a fairly lengthy cut. Anyway, this, let's play this here. We'll get to Chip Patterson in a moment, but I really wanted to get this one in. Uh, here before we went to break, and this is uh, Dr. Mitchelson talking about uh, the prospects of of uh, having fans in the stands for ECU football this season. If we can't make it soon, then it will be a small number. I think everybody understands that. If we can't make that decision really soon, now this is a layered decision, right? It's the governor's got a say in this. I mean, we're still in phase two. If right. we stay in phase two and there's no carve out for for athletics, then you know, that'll send a clear signal, you know, even M meaning that if we don't move to move to phase three, there will be no fans. There would be. Uh, uh, well, let's let's let, let's go through what there could be. There, um, a, a level one is like, OK, uh, the, the two teams and their support. Right. And that's what do you think? Um, and, and the press. Right. Because so you might have 500 people at one level. Now, 500 is already more than, than is permitted in phase two. Right. 500. Uh, level two is uh, uh, the two teams, their support, the press, plus uh, let's say we give, the, we give each, uh, each player gets four, four tickets so they can have the family there. Right. So, th so that's another level. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a thousand people. Right. And then you get really... It gets very complicated, right? Well, you, got, they, you got students who are paying student athletic fees. You, you got students and, and season ticket holders. Yeah. And so you, you really, um, you can imagine, my hope is that we can at least uh, uh, scale up, right? That we, that we start out um, probably pretty small and that we scale up through time. Through the season. Yes. Yeah, John mentioned that it could be anywhere from zero to 10% or 20%. Yeah. <laughs> Which in our stadium would be about ten thousand fans. Yep. And um, today, does that look like a stretch? Maybe in November, right? I mean, yeah, right. I, I heard yesterday. Uh, I, I used to be at the University of Georgia. They're gonna they're gonna let twenty percent in. And they've they, already they get, made that announcement. They got a hundred thousand seats. Yeah. So that's yeah. twenty thousand people. But they've got a different governor than we have. They have a different situation. <laughs> um, we want to play smart too. You know, we we yeah. we don't want to be uh, the center of a, a massive spread. Um, we, we met with uh, John Silvernail uh, Wednesday afternoon about this very topic so mm -hmm. that he would understand uh, wh where we're coming from, what the options are. Uh, he understands that the governor's situation is, is, um, is key here. 
he is touring the facility uh, today, this afternoon. So we've, we've been engaged with John Silvernail, uh, the, our local uh, public health director. We want him fully aware and engaged. So I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that he'll join uh, John and, and his team, Ryan Robinson and others over there at the stadium to, to actually see what we're talking about. So that I mean that tells you everything you need to know. That's kind of the the, the headline to me in that cut, and that is uh, the county health director John Silvernail has been engaged uh, beyond this week, I'm sure, but certainly in the last several days, as uh, he's part of the planning. This is not going to be some ham-handed plan that's going to be sent to Raleigh. Now, how the governor re- responds to it that remains to be seen. Uh, it was also announced that I guess Mississippi State is going to. I can't remember if it's like a, a kind of an odd percentage, like 18% or, or 20%, but I mean, point is they're going to have a limited capacity for their game. So that that 20% number and somewhere in there seems to be the number that people are uh, are planning for, that 10 to 20%. And again, the situation in Mississippi, uh, the situation in Alabama, the situation in Georgia is far different here. I mean, hell, there, there's uh, Tennessee and, and uh, Alabama high school football starts tonight. You just have a different mindset in these southern states, which right now are, are looking like they've made the right decision. And North Carolina continues to take it on the chin economically because uh, there's no real plan and there's moving there's moving uh, goals here. And I'll, I'll, let me just say one other thing before we get to Chip Patterson here. I know we got to get a break in, but you know, there's nobody thankfully hospitalized out of this. Uh, COVID flare up this cluster uh, that we know of here in Greenville that uh, anybody knows of uh, in Chapel Hill because by golly if there were a student hospitalized at UNC you know the triangles uh, news media would be all over it Uh, and I thought that was the whole point we're trying to flatten the curve of hospitalizations and again we just have this moving set of goals and circumstances out of uh, Deputy Sheriff Cohen and, and the Gov uh, it, it's it's frustrating, but I mean, you look around other states in the South; they're they're moving forward and they're thriving. Uh, let's uh, get a break. Chip Patterson, I want to get his take on uh, college football and uh, some of the news out of Chapel Hill, the news out of Notre Dame. Let's get Chip Patterson's perspective from CBSSports.com. Uh, Chip, uh, a guy from the Triangle, so we'll talk to him coming up. Uh, also, still to come, Austin Carp, and uh, we'll update you on where HV3 is at the Northern Trust. Uh, a guy there today. Uh, shot a course record 59. It was not Harold, uh, and uh, Harold's kind of in a precarious spot right now. So uh, some of the deets on that when uh, we return here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Patrick Johnson. For a guy who thinks he's cool, you're sure no fun. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. I always love uh, when we have Chip Patterson on because he's uh, – quite insightful at chip underscore patterson cbs sports writer for college hoops college football well golf Ooh, like talks of golf here with chip uh chip i'm sorry we got all, we we got out of the starter gate a little slow here those pesky computers but we're uh, good now thank you for uh, coming on with us uh, here live this afternoon on a friday too i really appreciate it it's, it's gonna be nice to hear from you again yeah, good to be back with you, Patrick. What uh, UNC is, I guess, lifting their uh, pause on football uh, just in the last 30 minutes. Uh, ECU's planning on resuming. You know, Monday was the word we were hearing, uh, but at least sometime next week. Uh, and, and is it just we're going to have to live with these surges or spikes or clusters, and uh, we, we may have to put things on on hold, I guess, uh, college football programs are even in season some. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think that that was something that it was important to start conveying to fans early on is that while the ACC laid out its 10-game conference schedule and, of course, you know, similar, similarly the, uh, the SEC did as well, that doesn't mean that we're going to get all 10 games played. You know, I mean, if we want to use history as an example, in the 1918 college football season – there were some teams that decided not to play among around the flu pandemic, but some teams did. And teams only went six and oh. Oklahoma went six and oh. Pitt went five and one. And I think five teams declared themselves national champions. 
I don't think we're going to have a college football playoff. I do think that it's going to be very difficult for us to discover any kind of national supremacy. And so that's why I think it's important to focus instead locally, regionally, on my team, your team, our conference. We get as much football as we get. And as long as it's done in a healthy and safe way, then that's going to be a great thing for the sport as a whole. But I am absolutely anticipating that we're going to find out on a Thursday afternoon uh, in mid-October that a team has had to suspend all activities because of a cluster of positive cases in the testing leading up to game week. And now the game has been postponed. I mean, we saw today the Subway Series between the Yankees and the Mets. Same thing there. The college football is trying to do what baseball has done. And what baseball has showed is that you can, uh, with testing and the proper protocols and precautions, you can pull off a lot of games. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. The virus will find a way in, and the schedule will absolutely be impacted. You know, UNC and NC State have announced the move to go online. I guess Mac Brown has, has stated uh, that this might be the thing that allows football is, is you, don't, you don't have the student body as a whole on, on campus. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting in the comments we played from an interview earlier today on one of our sister stations, the, the interim chancellor at ECU, Ron Mitchelson, you know, says, absolutely, we're going to, we're still planning on having football. But then he also talks about the importance of, of having, you know, face-to-face or in-person instruction as an option uh, here in Greenville. So I guess the question is, Chip, uh, can you have your cake and eat it too? Uh, and I'm just, I'm not necessarily saying ECU's example, but any, any university tries to do this. Well, I mean, so many football players and high level athletes are very much limited in the, uh, face-to-face interaction and what I would consider the run of the mill standard curriculum class. I mean, the, like the Joe Burrow experience as he went on to have one of the greatest seasons in college football history for a quarterback is that he lived in an apartment off campus. He took every single one of his classes online, and he basically just went to the facility. I mean, that is a a method for the modern college football player, is that you take a lot of online classes, and you spend less time around the brickyard or around the pit or around the student union. And, you know, that's kind of one of those natural social sorting mechanisms that's happened over time as more and more has been invested in these facilities and in creating an environment that will allow uh, these college football players to do their, uh, you know, do their college football activities and really on the academic and university experience side, remain eligible. Now, we have so many examples uh, from here in the state of North Carolina at the major college football programs of students that are going against that trend, who are very, very involved in campus activities, who might even take part in student government. But I think that the way the menu lays out is very, very easy uh, to just run down and know what classes uh, you need to take to be able to fit your practice schedule, to know that taking online classes will allow for less conflicts for that. And football has always been something that has driven a divide from the college football player and the modern student. We've got uh, North Carolina native Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com. Uh, covering uh, college football, college hoops, uh, golf. Always great to have him on. Uh, does some radio and the triangle. Uh, is a jack of all trades, is uh, Chip Patterson. It's great to catch back up uh, with him here. I, I want to ask you about something you said a moment ago. You, you said you don't think there will be a college football playoff. Is that because due to the, the coronavirus totally wipes it out and we just don't end up finishing a season? Or you just you think because of the, the, the obvious delays that – this virus is going to cause for certain teams. We're just not going to have enough teams play enough games. I realize that's kind of the same reasoning there ultimately, but I mean, I guess I'm wondering, do you think that everybody shuts down before we get to that point? Or do you think there's just not enough games? Oh, I I just think that uh, you don't have enough because the college football playoff is run by the conference commissioners. And as we stand right now, two major power conference commissioners and two group of five commissioners have decided that they're not going to have any football in the fall. I mean, you don't have the power brokers, the decision makers, the board of directors, so to speak on the same page. Then I, I don't know how you do it. Now there might be a playoff and they might uh, orchestrate the same kind of uh, routine to try and get through 
um, you know, using that television product, but I don't see it as being anything more than a television product because the Rose Bowl with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 not playing is not going to be used as the college football playoff semifinal as it was scheduled. I just don't Mm -hmm. see that happening. The Rose Bowl committee is far too committed to those conferences to try and participate in that. And instead, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to orchestrate some kind of exhibition situation, again, a television product, but also so that they can continue the pageantry and tradition that goes along with that game. Wouldn't be surprised if they do try to do something in the spring if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are able to pull off a spring. But I'm looking at it like I'm sure the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl would gladly take a couple of teams in a big high-profile game. I'm sure the Sugar Bowl, which, you know, its national tie-ins are going to be the Big 12 of the SEC. I'm sure that they would be interested. And I would believe that the Orange Bowl would like to move forward, too. Now, what does that mean for the Cotton Bowl? Are they going to try to get in this as well? There's a, there's a lot of interesting bowl-specific questions to be asked once we get later into the season where I could see uh, those events taking place. But I do not see them taking place as part of a larger college football playoff crown and national champion because the board of directors and the decision makers includes all those conference commissioners and four out of the 10 right now aren't playing. So when UCF goes undefeated chip, they will have another parade at Disney. Is that what you're saying? Without a doubt. When- this is UCF's <laughs> year. Like, well, hey, and Patrick, I'll say this is, you know, interesting for you know, ECU fans. Is this, yeah. Uh, for, for the American, this is a big season. This is yeah, an is. opportunity where you're going to get some spotlight games. You're going to get uh, – we on the Cover 3 podcast are going to be uh, – we always love jumping in for our locks and sort of our weekly wager advice to take a look at some of those uh, games in the American. But in terms of real hard football analysis, I think that um, it's going to be interesting because teams that are – and I would say Appalachian State's probably in this too, teams that would be sort of given uh, given a little card, like, oh, yeah, you are the best group of five team. We'll throw you in the top 25, but you don't really belong with all the others. See, we're going to be comparing the best teams in the American uh, to mid-tier Power 5 teams, and I think that we're going to find that those mid-tier Power 5 teams are not – they do not stack up against the best teams in the American. And then – we're going to be looking at the mid-tier of the American and how they stack up against uh, some of those middle-tier teams in the power conferences, and there might be some opportunities there for some hard comparisons to be done. It's difficult with so many conferences doing conference-only schedules and the built-in bias that is in everyone's brain uh, from those, this haves and have-not world of college football, but I think it's a great opportunity for that conference to show uh, that it can't show its best side as it pertains to college football. And Chip, uh, Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com with us here. You know, everybody's talking about, well, certain athletic departments will lose hundreds of millions of dollars. Some athletic departments uh, may not be able to survive this um, if, if, they, if they don't have football. The bowl games, you, you brought that up. I mean, I, I don't think there's enough teams playing right now, FBS football, to have to fill all the slots. So, I mean, there could be some of these um, – low-level bowl games that, that may go by the wayside, potentially? We'll see. So there's one piece of this that makes the bowl game situation interesting in a way where I've almost considered bowl games maybe be uh, more likely than even completing a full college football okay. season. Yeah. Because yeah. while they are run by local sports commissions, and while tourism is a big part of the bowl game experience, and I don't anticipate by December we will, everyone will be feeling comfortable taking on those kinds of holiday vacations and that kind of tourism business will uh, be as healthy, ESPN does own, own yeah. several bowl games, owns mm-hmm. a good maybe more than half of the lower tier ones, and all they need is something to put on television during the holidays. And so with that, uh, with that in mind, I have thought that while a, a bowl game's sponsorship might need to change because of financial reasons uh, or pandemic reasons, while some of the sports commission and the environment around a bowl game may need to change, if ESPN owns these bowl games, 
They absolutely have interest in trying to make sure that they can find teams to put them on television. Now, the the math is not going to add up, as you mentioned, and I do think that there will be some bowl games that, for one reason or another, just they can't put together the operation. It might be logistics. It might be financial. But the fact that the college football bowl game in 2019 and 2020 has become a television product makes me think that if they can healthfully in, in a healthy way get the college football teams to one location to play i, I think they're going to try to do it hey uh thank you so much chip i'm sorry we we're getting a little late getting to you but uh, thank you so much it was great as, as it always is really uh, good and insightful stuff man and uh, hope you're well hope your family's well and we'll talk to you at some point uh, soon i hope Patrick, absolutely good to be with you. Y'all be well. There he goes, Chip Patterson. Uh, Chip's fantastic. God, he's good. He's he's always, I mean, thoughtful with his commentary and is not trying to be a, a hot take machine. Uh, so I, I, that's that's why we love having him on. He does a great job. Uh, follow him uh, on Twitter, Chip underscore Patterson is where you can uh, follow him there. Uh, we're going to get a hold of uh, Austin Carp coming up here a little late getting to him. Actually, we're going to be right on about on time when we're going to get uh, to Austin. Uh, right now, we have Ben Byron. Ben, you ready to go with uh, this uh, update? Take it away. Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barham here for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. Earlier today on our sister station, 103.7 WTIB's Talk of the Town, ECU Inter- Interim Chancellor Ron Mitchelson joined the show to discuss the recent outbreak of COVID-19 that has affected Pirate football and caused a pause of all athletic activities. Here was Mitchelson's response when asked whether there would be football at ECU this year. So you are optimistic that ECU football will move forward? Absolutely. Meanwhile, throughout college football, the NCAA approved for allowing all fall sport athletes to compete in any amount of competitions this year, and it will not account against their year of eligibility. Two more teams have paused football workouts and practices due to the coronavirus spikes. Universities include Louisiana Monroe and Vanderbilt have stated that they would not release the number of those infected and that they plan to be back in action early next week. And a group of parents of Big Ten football players protested at outside league headquarters today to demand more information about what went into the league's August 11th decision to postpone the fall season. From the NFL, Washington head coach Ron Rivera revealed that he has been diagnosed with lymph node cancer. Rivera says that the cancer is in its early stages and is treatable and that he should be able to coach. Despite his claim, the NFL media reports that the Washington football team have put in a plan B, stating defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio would take over head coaching duties in case something happens to Rivera. Meanwhile, Buffalo newly signed cornerback Josh Norman injured his hamstring in practice. He will be out indefinitely. Live playoff action is currently underway in the NBA bubble. At halftime, the Utah Jazz lead the Denver Nuggets 59-42. Utah's Rudy Gobert leads all scorers with 20. From the first round of the PGA FedEx Cup playoffs from TPC Boston, Dustin Johnson leads at 15-under. Scotty Scheffler is in its second after shooting a course record 59 today. Players just above the cut line include Tiger, Roy McIlroy, and Patrick Reed. And ECU alum HV3 is currently one shot below the projected cut line. We count down to the most iconic race in history as the Indy 500 takes off its 104th running on Sunday at 2.30. On the pole, Marco Andretti, grandson to the great Mario Andretti, will start up front. Here at 94 Through the Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Byron. We learned how the pandemic has affected sports TV ratings and income with Sports Business Journal's Austin Carp with the P-Man on the other side of this quick timeout. You're listening to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. The Patrick Johnson Show. He's the perfect stud muffin. He's a menace to society. Every weekday at 5 on 94.3 The Game. Don't forget, you can uh, always relive the great moments of uh, the Patrick Johnson Show via our podcast. It posts uh, usually within an hour after we're done every weekday. 
And uh, that is at nine uh, at 943thegame.com. Uh, our revamped a new website with more things coming uh, in the uh, future to that. Uh, it is the main hub for our podcast now, but you also can uh, download the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you download your favorite uh, podcast. Uh, check it out. The numbers on that uh, continue to grow. Always good to uh, talk with Austin Karp. We welcome him back from Sports Business Journal. He is the uh, managing editor there. Uh, Austin, hope all is well. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Patrick. Doing well here in Charlotte. Let's uh, start with just, uh, you know, kind of the here and the now. Uh, football, a couple of institutions in the state right here. ECU uh, making the announcement Thursday that they were going to, for now, uh, pause football, trying to get a handle on their contact tracing and uh, plan to resume next week. There was the uh, 24-hour stay, I guess, uh, for UNC Chapel Hill. And, uh, of course, other institutions have kind of done this across the Fruited Plain, a couple of them, uh, uh, on a, a few of them, I should say, on a couple of uh, occasions. Uh, as you look at, you know, TV trying to figure this out. We, at least to my knowledge, we have no hard and set schedules or schedule times as of yet for, for mm-hmm. September, which is unprecedented. Uh, and and usually that's we know that in July on a typical situation. Uh, what are you hearing from your sources at the network? I mean, are they cautiously proceeding, just not going public at this point? Yeah, I think it's something that they're all still trying to figure out at this point. You know, in light of. You know, the Power Five in particular driving the train here, what their schedules were going to be. And like you said, this time of year, we were usually looking forward to those week zero and week one games with a lot of enthusiasm, the neutral side games, the big matchups there between conferences to open up the season. But now, I mean, particularly it's Fox and ESPN that are really trying to figure out what are they going to be showing on Saturdays. When we, I think with the – I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, when we talked with Mike Oresco, uh, the commissioner of the American – uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think three weeks ago now is our last conversation with him. You know, we asked about the possibility of spring football, and it was interesting, his response. Uh, and, and this is kind of where all this is being dictated by, as you just uh, so eloquently uh, put it there. Uh, ESPN didn't pay for spring football, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I have to imagine that there's going to have to be some kind of renegotiation or some kind of trigger clause in any of this. Uh, that if mm-hmm. games were to be played in the spring, uh, th- does that come with a reduced rate? Does that fulfill inventory as far as you know? I- I'm not saying you've studied every single contract, but you've studied most of them, I'm sure, Austin. Yeah, and I'm sure they have very, very highly paid lawyers that have figured <laughs> all that out between the contracts. But yeah. you have to imagine, you know, particularly for the conferences that either move to the spring or even have to end up canceling football for a year, you're going to see maybe a year tacked on to the end of a contract. Right. And I, I imagine it's going to be something similar for the NCAA tournament with CBS and Turner. They didn't have a 2020 tournament. So I think they're going to want to be made whole with that. And you may see a year added on to the end of that down the road. We've got Austin Carp with us uh, here out of Charlotte, uh, Sports Business Journal, at Austin Carp on Twitter, K-A-R-P. Uh, always great to catch up with him. Let me ask you this. Um, so, it, it, obviously, with the relationship there, it does appear that there's going to be, as you say, a year tacked on or rolled over uh, to extend agreements. I guess the question is, if they're, in the case of the Big Ten and Pac-12, no football, how much of a financial hit could they take this year? It's big, and it's going to vary by school. Um, a lot of the money, obviously, tied up in media deals. But, you know, you've seen schools like in Ohio State saying they can lose over $100 million within the athletic department. And Michigan State and, and other schools saying similar things. I mean, it's a big hit to the athletic departments, but it's also important to keep in perspective where the athletic department sits in the overall university budget. It's only like 3 4% of a lot of these schools. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not putting the school under, and, but so the school is going to do what is safest for its students. But for the athletic department in particular – it could be big hits. You could be. You have schools like Penn State and Michigan State already saying they're not going to take off the table potentially cutting sports. And obviously, there are Title IX implica- implications there, so everyone is just kind of in a wait and see approach right now. Sports uh, cut here at ECU uh, gets it to sort of be compliant now with the same mm-hmm. sports and numbers that you have in uh, the American and other institutions, and it's also that NCAA uh, level of of being above that line. Uh, to be considered uh, Division One, uh, But then you have Stanford, which has this uh, tremendous reputation 
in a myriad of uh, so-called uh, Olympic or non-revenue sports, and, and they made cuts. I think when you saw cuts at Stanford, that really opened the eyes of a lot of people because you would presume that uh, if there's a solvent institution at the P5 level, uh, that uh, Stanford would be one of them as far as athletics goes. Yeah. I mean, I think there was, you know, like you said, ECU and a couple of schools at that group of five level were cutting. And then you really kind of crossed the Rubicon when Stanford started Stanford Cup, 13 sports. A lot of them, like you said, Olympic sports, uh, you know, sports that people may not even have known that competed at the, at the NCAA level. But yeah, a school like Stanford, which has a huge endowment, I mean, we're talking like a Harvard-level type endowment, one of the biggest in the country, biggest in the world for a university. If they're having to reach down and cut a lot of these sports, yeah, it made a lot of schools look in the mirror and check their piggy banks to see what was going on. So, Austin, uh, let's let's assume that uh, the American, along with the SEC, Atlantic Coast, and uh, Big 12, and, and those other remaining uh, Conference USA, Sunbelt, decide they're, gonna, they're going to play football this year. Could this be a boon? for future contracts, specifically for the American, if they are shifted to some prime time and the games perform well as far as ratings and interest? Well, the American, you know, just locked up that new deal with mm-hmm. ESPN. And while I don't, I, I can't speak to what a future media deal is going to look like so far down the road, just given where technology is and consumer consumption patterns, what it is going to perhaps do is give them the ex- exposure, more exposure than they've ever gotten before. Because a lot of those windows, especially on ESPN networks, are opening up. Those what are if, Big Ten games you wouldn't have. Had, you're mm-hmm. not going to have Pac-12 games. You're not going to have. So yeah, there might be some stuff that just streamed before, or was just maybe shown on local TV. That's going to get a lot of national TV love if they if they end up playing there. So the NFL is lurking in the background, waiting to see what happens to see if they can shift to some of those Saturday windows as well. Oh, I'm absolutely, and there's precedent here. You know, once the college season is done after November and early December. You start seeing NFL take over that Saturday anyways. A lot of those NFL network games, they might have two or three on a, on a given Saturday in December. But, yeah, I mean, if the NFL can get more of their games onto, you know, national windows in a nice slot on Saturday, I think they're going to take a look at that for sure. And maybe that's a boon for that 3.30 game on Fox uh, or uh, you know, whatever, or that 3.30 game on CBS yeah. if they then have a primetime game at the NFL coming after that yeah that could be uh that could be a big uh big batch of ratings there for uh for the eyeball mm-hmm. network we're talking to uh yeah, you have an Con- ecu game yeah an ecu game leading into an nfl game would probably do pretty well well let's get let's make that happen let's get a few pirate games leading into the nfl i think that'd be great uh, austin carp <laughs> is uh is with us uh here sports business journal uh let's talk about some of the sports that are going on right now uh numbers for the nba uh you read uh, reports that uh they're not quite uh as good as they have been in the past you're playing in kind of an odd year uh mm-hmm. it seems like that there's sort of a perpetual a uh, reel of uh, basketball airing uh, at all times of the day, which works well for the NCAA tournament. Uh, doesn't seem to be as working well here. What what are the numbers for the NBA, and, and what is the uh, evaluation of that performance? I mean, it's definitely the most unique sports TV environment I can remember, and probably in our lifetimes. You have everyone came back at the same time, and they came back during the summer, which everyone needs to keep in perspective. You know, during the summer pandemic or not, people are outside, people are out pools, they're in their backyards. So the level of homes that are using television during the summer is traditionally down sharply anyways from what it is during what we consider the normal school year, right? When you see new TV shows come out and when sports are usually airing. The only sports you're usually seeing, or you know, the shows you're usually seeing during the summer are like Holy Moly and made-up shows like right. that. Yeah. But yeah, so the NBA is lower than what they would have been getting for regular season and now, you know, first round playoff numbers because they, like you said, they're airing some of those, a lot of games, 12 o'clock on a weekday. That's not, people are working. They're not going to really get a strong audience from there. And they have more national windows airing right now than they ever have. And for those seeding rounds, you know, those original bubble games before the playoffs, the numbers were down across like TNT and ABC and ESPN because they also had to deal with for the first time those games airing on the RSNs in the local market for the overwhelming mm-hmm. majority of the game. Mm-hmm. So that also dragged down some of the numbers. When you talk about, you know, Clippers Lakers airing on TNT, that's also airing on the regional sports network in that market. Right. So that dragged down numbers a little bit, but they're still very respectable. And, but in terms of getting some sort of 
real comparison to previous years or previous playoffs, just given where the timing is of the playoffs and where we are in the landscape with all the sports coming back, it's just really tough to do an apples-to-apples comparison there. Uh, what about hockey and baseball? Uh, baseball seemed to come back strong, but some of the national yeah. uh, games have uh, waned a little bit, and I don't know if that's a matchup yeah. situation. Again, baseball nationally is not obviously what uh, the NBA and NFL and college football have been. Mm-hmm. Um, baseball came back strong, as like you said, with that opening night with the Yankees Nationals. I mean, despite it only going five innings because of rain, was like right. the most watched opening night game in, in a long, long time. And yeah, the numbers have kind of tapered off a little bit. But, you know, it's a tonnage game for MLB, like during the regular season with baseball and hockey normally, in that, you know, the RSNs are just racking up the numbers on, on the total level. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, you know, baseball might not get credit for the number of viewers who are who are watching the sport because so much of it is tribal and done at the regional and local level, especially during the regular season. But you- uh, hockey, the playoffs, first round, quarterfinals, we're actually up compared yeah. to what it, where they were in March, up around 3%. So they're seeing a nice game. Uh, hockey fans were really enthusiastic to get the sport back. So it's good for NBC Sports to see that sort of game through the first couple of uh, a couple of rounds. And you know they're primarily keeping their playoff games in prime time, so that's helped the numbers too. Uh, one area that is really interesting to me is the PGA Tour. I was going to ask you. you know, about we talked that. about oh. yeah for I mean for how long decades and <laughs> decades it feels like. Everything on the PGA Tour was driven by, is Tiger Woods playing in this respective tournament? Now, Tiger only played in a couple tournaments this spring, but CBS and NBC and CBS and Golf Channel were seeing 20-plus percent gains for their coverage on the weekend You know when Tiger wasn't even playing. So it's a really healthy game and good momentum for them going forward when Tiger is just not going to be around to give them that boost. So it's nice to see for them. Yeah, absolutely. Other sports, I mean, yeah. NASCAR, same thing with baseball. They kind of struck t- – started off strong, kind of tapered off a little bit, but they were airing a lot of Wednesday night races, so that had some influence there. Um, soccer, MLS, didn't really do so well with that bubble tournament. It was even below what they normally do for a regular season, but the area of soccer I'm watching are these UEFA Champions League numbers coming off of Univision. I mean, they're getting record numbers because viewers haven't had the option of watching on English language because that's primarily been behind a paywall on CBS. Gotcha. Uh, let me ask you this before we let you go, Austin, and we appreciate your time. Do you believe uh, that you'll see numbers that have waned a little bit or been low pick up as we get into September? I think the the, the well, which sport are we talking about? Well, just yeah, that, I mean, look, do, you, do you think the NBA numbers will increase? Do you think baseball as we get closer to the postseason and more teams are involved will pick up? Do you continue? In other words, do you kind of envision strong numbers for those that have done well going into September? And do you expect particularly the NBA and baseball to maybe increase as we get a little closer, uh, deeper into the postseason and closer to the baseball postseason? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think once we get deeper into the postseason, for sure, once you start seeing primarily those prime time games, you see some of the bigger teams that people want to see, I think you'll see the numbers return to a more normal level. I, I don't know if you're going to see gains, but it'll get closer to where it may have been in the past, particularly with NBA and baseball. I'm very curious to see how football performs going up against all that. I'm curious to see how something like the Masters does going up against football later this fall, uh, as well as the you know the U.S. Open coming up. We have the Indianapolis 500 this weekend. Yeah, how is that going to do? You know, that's normally a May race, but now it's in the thick of it in late August with the rest of us. And uh, I mean, not all programming. Some programming is taking a hit, like Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks is seeing record yeah. low mm-hmm. viewership because. It never had to compete with really anything but baseball and getting ready for school. And now it's in the <laughs> thick of it and not yeah. doing that well. Yeah. Hey, Austin, great to catch up with you. We'll talk to you again down the road. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, there he goes, Austin Carp. NBA is down 40%. And uh, even if they have a postseason uh, rebound as they get deeper into the playoffs, you know, I, I think uh, those numbers will still be down for the year. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. This was uh, also the week, Ben, that we were supposed to have the Little League World Series for softball. Uh, that would have like been that would have been huge around here. Oh, it would have been enormous. And 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 I believe, well, I shouldn't say. I don't know if they've added a, a deal. Uh, I can't remember if they've officially made that announcement. They're going to add a year onto the back of that or not. But uh, that was that was in the planning. Uh, we did mention Ron Rivera um, uh, getting uh, a. a I guess a treatable and curable form of, of, of cancer it says he will coach. You, you say we have a soundbite of Ron Rivera, uh, Ben. Uh, let's, 
let's play that real quick. I, I want to, because I mean, I, I, I like you, Ben, uh, you know, have a lot of respect for Ron Rivera. I think he's fantastic. I think it speaks to who Ron Rivera is and what he has done. Uh, the fact that he got scooped up almost immediately after the season ended uh, following his dismissal at Carolina and the way they handled it, obviously the, with how they fired him, I think a lot of people didn't like that. But then what they did, it, there was almost this groundswell within the organization that everybody wanted. Because remember, he had that big press conference. I mean, nobody does that, uh, you know, like that in a midseason thing. It was like he, it was kind of like a you know a, a final farewell. And that was I, I just I thought Ron Rivera was so classy uh, before this, but after that, I, I just it was amazing. So this is a, a comment from Ron Rivera. We're doing well. We really are. Do I think the biggest thing, most of anything else, and, and and part of the reason, you know, wanting to get the message out uh, was to get it out the right way. You know, we wanted to make sure people understood that, you know, what I what I am afflicted with right now is is most certainly a a, a very treatable and very curable disease. I'm, I'm very fortunate. You know, I have what's called squamous cell sarcoma. Yeah, it is a cancer. It did get into my lymph node. Um, and it's a very treatable one. Uh, there's been a very high success rate, so I, I, and I fall into that category. And so there's an opportunity for us to take care of this and, and, and be able to go forward. And he, I think he even said, Ben, that he is in the best shape he's been in a long time. Uh, that's good to hear. That's, that's yeah. the guy that made the Panthers relevant. Uh, gotta, to be in the, gotta, be, <laughs> gotta be in the ring of honor, right? I mean, no they've got to do that no at doubt. some point. Yeah. Love Ron Rivera. Uh, doesn't look like HV3 is going to make the uh, cut. Uh, he was in good shape, but he doubled 17 today, and uh, the cut is minus three. I don't have the screen up in front of me now, but uh, he's not going to make the uh, cut. Uh, some big names going to not make the cut and make it to the weekend of the Northern Trust. Rory, Jordan Spieth, Justin Rose, Jason Day, Mickelson, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Colin Morikawa, who a couple weeks ago won the PGA. Tony Finau. Uh, I've got Tiger right now on the cut line. Uh, your guy, Ben, Pretty Ricky Fowler, Xander Schauffele, and Paul Casey are some of the notables. Uh, DJ with a 60 today, Dustin Johnson. And uh, he leads the event by two. Uh, so there you go. Indy 500 coming up this weekend. Uh, a couple of thanks before we uh, go here. Thanks to a lot of people who checked in on my uh, uh, beautiful bride, uh, Jill. Oh, before I get to that, let me say, uh, I got a complete list of everybody playing high school football uh, here tonight. Are you ready, Ben? I'm ready. Got, Let's go. We got Utah, Alaska, Indiana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Alabama. Alabama! Yeah. <laughs> uh, if we were in the mountains, Ben, we could just go over the border. Uh, anyway, let me thank my uh, lovely, lovely wife, uh, Jill, and everybody who's checked in on her. Uh, she uh, had that little tumble down the stairs. A lot of people have messaged and emailed and texted and called. She's back to... Uh, she's feeling better. She's back to bossing me around, Ben. So, And then... Uh, you could contribute to the School of uh, Art, School of the Arts in North Carolina. Uh, they've established a Philip Horn scholarship, uh, the funeral tomorrow for Philip. So we encourage you to uh, do that. And our thoughts go out to his family. I've been uh, communicating with one of his sons, Xander, here uh, the last uh, several days. So uh, our thoughts will be with uh, the Horn family this weekend. Thanks to Chip Patterson and Austin Carp, uh, intern Philip, Ben Byram. Jim Zoki joins us on Monday. Have a great rest of uh, your weekend.